Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How's everybody doing? Yeah, doing awesome? Man, could, could yesterday been a better day? I mean, how do you paint it any better? I mean, the sky and the leaves and the temperature and man, I just, all day long, I just couldn't help just, I don't know, just being thankful, right, for what a, what a place we get to live and enjoy, huh? Well, I hope everybody's well. Obviously, um, we're still in the, well, we're moving heavy into a crazy, maybe a crazier time, right, uh, as a nation. So I just encourage us, man, let's make sure we are praying right, for, for peace, wisdom for our leaders, God's hand upon our nation, and let's get involved. I'm going to touch base on liberty and the importance of that a little bit this morning, but we're, we're in this series um, still in hope. We're going to probably stay here. We'll, we'll see how it goes for a while. Um, I'm going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you have your Bible and you want to um, make your way there this morning, and I want to talk this morning about optimism and I am not able to click but uh, so that's all right but if you can click me there we go optimism I want to talk this morning about what let's just get a a hold on this and um, this idea of optimism true optimism and uh, really you know just kind of let's take a deep dive into my question for us this morning and I, I just Boy, I've, I've looked over the last six months, especially, and just thinking about my own soul. And I think the question is, is, is optimism or pessimism have a hold on your soul? How would you define your soul this morning? How is your soul this morning? Is your soul optimistic at the core of your being? Now, now let me just step back. It's easy. Some of us who are more maybe extroverts or, or whatever that is, um, Maybe we can put on a good show on the outside that we are looking positive and we're all upbeat, but that doesn't mean that our soul is that way, right? The soul is this deep part, and so I just want to frame what we're talking about this morning is, is, is boy, what is happening in here? What's really happening in my soul, and is optimism there, and... Um, or does pessimism have a way of, of sneaking in? And, and I tell you, as I looked at this, I started to realize, dang, you know, it's a subtle fight. And uh, for our soul and the state of our soul uh, to, to really lay hold of what's going on deep in, thank you, brother, um, what's happening in, in, inside there and, and what's taking over. And I know for me is, boy, I look back even the last six months and I see how subtly it may be disappointment or discouragement or just as we look at, man, oh, where it's happening and whatever it is. And, and, and it's just easy for those outer circumstances, the chaos, uncertainty, whatever you want to throw out there, for those things to sink deep in. And if we don't put those through a faith and hope and gospel filter, right, in the sense of a true larger understanding of what is the foundation of our hope built upon, then man, I tell you what, right, that, that soul, that can get on us quick, and it can deteriorate, and because I know it, because I'm talking to people, I know it myself, and I see it, right, in our, in our land today. 
um, in, in a big, big way. And it is up to the church, it is up to the body of Christ to gather together and to, when we gather together, it is, uh, God promises, but part of the reason of gathering together is it's in this context that faith should rise, hope should rise, optimism should take over when it comes to our soul in the sense of no matter what is happening out there, right, is in, in the world and uh, that God's people should come together and all the scripture, when we gather together, it's to build up one another. Is to build faith in each other. Is to build encouragement in each other. It is to, to get all the shackles of disappointment and lost dreams, right? A new perspective, uh, an optimistic soul so that we can be used by God to enter into chaos, enter into uncertainty and into other people's lives with the power of the gospel, with an attitude that Jesus is the one. He is the one who gets breakthrough. Jesus is the one that all things are possible. Because of what he's done, defeating the power of sin, death, what he's done on the cross, all things are possible. He's the God of breakthroughs. And all things are possible with him. And does that define my soul? Do I live with that kind of expectation that God, all things are possible? And as I started thinking about my own soul, is uh, I started realizing that, you know, if, if it's been a while before when I haven't shared my faith, had an opportunity to share my faith with somebody, guess what happens? Man, it can quickly, I lose a boldness in it. I lose expectation about, God, are you opening a, a, opening a great opportunity for me to share and get into somebody's soul? And when I do have that opportunity, what happens? Man, my soul, I was like, God, we're in partnership together. And wow, that was amazing. I want more of that. And then when I do pray for it, and he opens the opportunity, he's like, whoa, am I prepared for that? Am I prepared to step into that boldly and with optimism, with the God, you're, you, you're the one who changes souls. You radically change my soul. And so I expect you to do something here, right? And I just started thinking about just the different things that, boy, if I go through a dry season, right, of not sharing, having an opportunity to share my faith. And folks, it's even, it's not even, let's go a little deeper, is when was the last time you had a chance to lead someone to Jesus? When was the last time that you had, and, and what I'm willing to bet is many of you have never had the blessing to be able to pray with someone to give their heart to Jesus. The, stat, the stats in the American church today are, it's frightening how many believers have never prayed with somebody to become a Christian. And folks, if that's not happening, what do you think is taking over? The, the, where's faith? Where's hope? Where's boldness we see in the book of Acts? To what? God, give us more boldness. The rafters shook, right? As the Spirit of God came on them so we can what? Share more boldly the love of the gospel into people's lives. And so I just, I'm going to go back to, come back to this, but I ask you here, even this morning, when it comes to your sphere of influence, when it comes to Aspen, Colorado, who are you praying for? Who are you stepping out for, especially in this season, to God to give you a chance to step boldly into a person's life and to share the gospel? I heard one of the most amazing things last night is in the relationship between President Ronald Reagan and Gorbachev. Do you realize when Reagan went back to, to uh, <clears throat> the last time and he gave his famous speech, do you realize that Reagan's, you know what his number one goal when he went to Russia was? His number one goal was to share the gospel with Gorbachev. And do you know that he didn't lit up? He got him alone and he shared and he got in and I, I was blown away by this story. Folks, that is phenomenal. 
And he shared it so relentlessly with the Russian leader. <laughs> that, and he got him back in the corner. The Russian leader says, well, I, I was kind of grew up in this thing. I think I was christened or something like that. But Reagan was going after him. Do you know what's going to happen when you die? And you know, people always wonder, why did those two have such a good relationship? Because you know what? It was on a soul level. Two men who trusted, well, Reagan at least trusted God. Right, understand the province, understood liberty, but understood that liberty comes from the gospel, not man-made. And that's in our constitution, folks. It's God-given. And that's being lost today. You've got to fight for it or it will be stolen and disappear. We've got to be involved deeply in all spheres of influence to fight for liberty, freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And it takes a fight because there's an enemy, not just personally in a person's soul, but in a nation. And I'm telling you right now, liberty is on its way out of this nation. Unless God's people rise up and take an honest view of their, our involvement. The other thing I want to leave you, probably most, we're going to keep coming back to this. And I've been thinking about this, but I just asked you this morning, before we even get into the text, I ask you, what are you working for? What are you working for right now? What are you willing to, what are you sacrificing for? What are you working for? What are you passionately giving your life and prayers to right now that requires the power of God to make it happen? I want you to think about that. What are you giving your life to? That's eternal. What are you working towards? What are you giving your life to? What are you doing that absolutely requires the power of God to accomplish that task? Right? What is he doing? Folks, we live in a comfortable, entitled culture. We are not creating men and women who sacrifice and understand what it takes to give their life, the fullness of their life, to see something radically happen. And it is the church. It's here that we should be generating these kind of people willing to go out and do phenomenal things in all in your neighborhood, with your neighbors, with your coworkers. Again, I just ask, have you shared Jesus with your coworkers? Have you shared Jesus with your neighbors? And I have to ask myself that. And Lord, who am I praying about for this? A, a move that only he can do. You're like, whoa, I could never breach that conversation with that person. Exactly. And so am I. Lord, is there an optimism, an optimistic soul of the glory of the gospel in the sense of, man, Lord, I'm depending on you. You've got to make the way. But I'm available. I'm going to work and pray, prepare the way, right, for that. Folks, we cannot be God's people if we're not talking about Jesus. You can't be a follower of Jesus if you're not talking about him. Courage. It needs courage, boldness, especially in the midst of what did he say in the sermon out? Blessed are you in what? You're, you're reviled. Right, for bringing his name up to people. And you know what's happened today? The church in all this junk going on, the church and God's people, we've stepped back and taken a, a place of weakness. We've gotten weak rather than bold. We've stepped back and we've taken this very weak, unbiblical approach to gathering and a thousand other things. And we're losing liberty. And we're losing passion and we're losing the call of God to do what he calls us to do. To radically love people regardless of the consequences for that. And so what are we working for? What, what, what is, what is a, what's your dream? Do you have dreams? Do you have big plans? 
Or if those just kind of out of fun and really in your soul, is it more disappointment? Is it more, is it more, oh, I can't do that? Is it, is it more defeated aspect of how you're going about life? Man, when the Spirit of God gets a hold of a soul, it brings hope, it brings faith, it brings optimism that overflows. Jesus said, what streams of living water out to others, right? And so I want to take us to a text that um, might be surprising to you this morning uh, on this issue of optimism, because here's the reality. I'm going to read a text this morning that some of you are going to read this and go, that doesn't, that's not very optimistic. But this is what's important about understanding the word of God and understanding the foundation, right, of where our hope and our optimism comes from. And so we're in 2 Thessalonians, and just a little background, Paul planted this church and uh, uh, and if you read the chapter one, you see that he commends them that their faith is growing abundantly and their love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Faith was increasing. Love for each other was increasing. And by the way, you cannot love and carry this out unless you gather and you're with other believers. Okay? Um, the context and command of God was to be with each other. And so let me just add to that um, <clears throat> that... Uh, Obviously, during these times, there's some things that we have put on hold. One is communion. And I just ask you, have you missed taking communion? Yes. Yeah. And so here's the deal. We have three things. We have community groups, we have microchurches, and we have discipleship groups. It's in those contexts, especially the microchurch context, where we share communion in a smaller gathering and we rejoice around, wow, what this is, the bread, remembering what he's done. And it's not just a symbolic thing. It's not just ritual. It's his active presence among God's people, right, that is important to lay hold of. So I just, I plead with you, if you're, if you're not connected, is help us, let us help you get connected, right, into one of those environments um, to, to grow and to rub shoulders and to encourage each other and to partake, right, of communion. Um, it should not be something that just happens whenever we want to. There should be a grief. There should be a loss if I have not been able to partake, right, of that. And so Paul's writing to the Thessalonians, and as we're going to read, something was happening. They were, um, he had taught them, and of course, you know, Rome was the, the power in charge. He had taught them a lot about what to look forward to. The day of the Lord was coming. And, and somehow there were these false teachers. This false teaching came in. There's a whole bunch of theories. But somehow the Thessalonians church thought they missed it. They thought they missed the day of the Lord. They, they were living with a sense of discouragement and a sense of, of uncertainty and a sense of confusion about the end times. They had lost their purposelessness, purposefulness. And, uh, and they started, we'll see if you read in chapter 3 or anything, they got idle. And, and being idle means I lose purpose and I, I, I live more from a defeated standpoint in life than one that's optimistic, right? And, um, and they, they had lost this, this, uh, this sense of real optimism in their faith. And Paul, he radically encourages them and he resets them on the foundation of truth of, of how we're to look at, at the future and, <clears throat> and our faith and hope that is to rest in that. So here we go. Um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting verse 1. Now, Paul says to the church, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken 
in mind or alarmed either by spirit or a spoken word or letter seeming to be from us. In other words, there was, there was uh, plenty of fake news going on back in that time too, right? So um, you just always have to take through a filter. Wow, is this truth, right? I need to check this out, right? So he's encouraging them. He says, watch out, don't be alarmed, right? And so he gives and he resets them on the truth of God's word. He says, let no one deceive you in any way. Realize as the time gets close and throughout different seasons, there's just deception. There's people who have suppressed the truth, go to Romans 1, throughout history, right, do not want to know the truth and can live their lives and everything else to suppress the truth. And folks, right now in our nation, it is all, our higher education for decades now has, right, crippled the idea of understanding of truth, right? We're reaping the results of it now. We're reaping the results of God's hand pulling back lawlessness. Just go down the list of things. Attack on liberty. Just, we could just go attack on religious liberty. Jesus, Jesus, we could go on and on. We're reaping the results of a nation that is rapidly suppressing the truth. All the way back to 1963 when we, Supreme Court, ruled out prayer out of our schools. You can track from 1963 to this day an utter as a nation, we're rejecting the truth of God, the truth of marriage, the truth, just go down the list of things, right? The truth of how God has set life up, what it is to please him. And the history proves, right, that God does not sit back idle. He does not let a nation or a person continue to suppress the truth without radical consequences, right? And um, it's a critical time for us as a nation. And so Paul, he encourages, he says, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come, listen carefully, unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, remember the truth, right? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power, false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The word of God. Wow. There's a lot there, isn't there? Huh? A lot there to break down, right? So he's saying, church, don't worry, man. But the end times have come. And don't get all confused about uncertain times. You need to understand. Here's a huge marker, folks, for the church to understand the times. 
as we said before, all scripture says, look, as the end comes, there is this growing battle between evil and good, between the forces of, the evil forces of Satan and his control, those who suppress the truth in the kingdom of God. And what happens in the end, God allows this man of lawlessness, right? You've heard Antichrist, the world ruler. And it, at the end is when the restrainer is removed, I'll deal with that in a second, is that this man is going to be given political and spiritual power so strong and powerful and, and charismatic, right, that the world actually, large chunks of nations will follow him because he's going to supernaturally solve some big problems in our world. But the spirit that leads the way to his revealing is the spirit of lawlessness. Does that sound familiar? Folks, 400 plus years as a nation, America experiencing liberties that no nation in the history of the world have ever experienced. And now, in the last six months, we're experiencing the unleashing of the spirit of lawlessness, the mystery of lawlessness, like we've never experienced before. Oh, we've had big civil wars, we've had battles, but those battle lines were drawn clearly between right, opposing clear opinions. What we're seeing today is not just a battle of opinion and the, the ability to lay one's life down for it. It's the spirit of lawlessness. People who reject the law, people who um, right, are, are forming anarchy and... Um, I mean, we could go down the line, right, on all that. And Paul makes it very clear, as what the rest of Scripture does, is that spirit, when it moves, it prepares the way, right, for uh, the giving over of liberties, because the only way this can happen is the giving over of liberties, personal liberties, and the rising up of one who ultimately is going to ask for allegiance from everyone, right? Um... So what is this idea of the restrainer? So um, there's so many different theories in this. Let me just give you, I think, the main one that, that makes the most sense, that definitely is part of it. We won't get too much detail, but in Romans 13, remember that, and there's a lot of talk about Romans 13, right? Paul writes to us and says, it is God who sets up all the governments. He's the one who sets up all authority on the world, even the evil governments. He allows them to go there. And the role of government in the world, folks, is primarily, this is very important, primarily to uphold the law. That's the primary, not to get in and do all these other things, Right? And by the way, there's so much politics. But there's a whole other thing. Right? Politics and religion, folks, should never be separated. And throughout history, politics, religion, philosophy, you can't separate. These things have to go together. Your faith, my faith, it, it instills. A person's faith is what determines their politics. Polis, how the city, how a nation runs. Right? All of it has to go together. And we live in, under a unique in all the world's history, a place that put a republic together, allowed the people to rule, not some party or person to instill laws on you. You have the liberty to come together to make laws and to reject laws that are not good laws. That's a republic. That's how this whole nation began, right? And to provide in there a freedom for religion, no matter what your religion was, all based on Judeo 
biblical principle, but allowing a beautiful place where people could have the freedom not inflicted from government on people how to have faith and believe, right? But to have the freedom, right, to worship God, right? That's how it began. And uh, you see this all here. Government's primary role, God instilled, was to have the sword to protect the people and and to protect the borders, right? No nation can't be a nation without a border. Just common sense stuff from the beginning of the Bible to the end, right? A government that comes in and instills a republic that, if you go on here, what did Paul say? Chapter 3 to Thessalonians, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's the principle, biblical principle. The government provides the sword protection, but the principle of republic is personal responsibility, right? And the community is to help and love each other and we're to work and not be idle, right? Much could be said on this, but these are the principles, folks. Do you realize that this nation was built upon? These are the principles that a church community is to be built upon. And they are being eroded radically today, right? And it's setting in this pessimistic, very cynical, right, soul, rather than the optimistic idea of God as the God of, of breakthrough. All things are possible with him. And a holding to the truth in the midst of an all-on warfare against the truth of, of God's word in the midst of this, this process. So the restraint is that Romans, Paul says that God's put the government to keep the law. Because we know without law and order, without right, the government to do that effectively, what happens? Well, it's anarchy, right? And we can read that throughout history. When, it, when law and order breaks down, what happens to that nation? Well, it's, it's a mess, right? And so he says, and then here, let me step back to Luke 4, when Jesus is tempted by Satan, Satan, the last one, he takes him and looks at all the kings of the world, says, these are mine. Bow to me and I'll give you control. And so the enemy, that it, and we see in Scripture, other places in the New Testament, that the enemy, Satan has, ultimate government is his power. The governments of the world are the kingdoms of the world. It is God who restrains, for a period still, that government from being really evil, right? I mean, yes, we know, whether it's Holocaust or other things, man, look how bad it can get. But then justice comes. What this is saying, there's a time coming where God's hand pulls off. And the government now is able, Satan, as it says, he comes, right? with all deception and signs and wonders to blend with government. And now there is no restraint in that government of truth and law and order. Now, right, it's fully given over to those humans who want to suppress the truth and think they can do it on their own. And it's that context that will generate this man of lawlessness, this, this end time thing. Now, what I love in here, you say, well, I mean, ah, what that, where's the optimism and all that, right? Um, the optimism in the, is that, folks, is what it says clearly here, that it doesn't, I love this, Paul, don't even give it a, it's not even a fight. The Lord Jesus will kill with his breath of his mouth this evil one and will bring ultimate justice and peace to this world at his coming. He will make it all right, all things new. Right? He will bring justice. 
that will reign eternally. That is the foundation of our hope. And the beginning of that has already happened with his first coming because God's heart is that all people would, would have their eyes open and not suppress the truth, but their eyes would be open right, to the gospel and receive Jesus, receive the one who is the way, the truth, no other name given under heaven by which man is saved. And they would give their hearts to Jesus and, and be saved. Saved out of this evil world, out of the deception of this world. And today what's happening, many in the church are giving their souls, giving their, their mindset to these ways that are not biblical ways. And it's eroding their soul away from the optimism and a foundation of a biblical truth to one that is tied to the ways of the world, the ways of our culture, right, that are, are taking hold right today. And so, just a couple things on this text. Um, optimism, it's hopefulness and confidence about the future. The successful outcome of something. And folks, this is a great conversation to have with people. A great inroad to share the glory and hope of Jesus. What are you optimistic about? Especially in these times, just talking to people. It could be your neighbor, it could be your coworker, it could be a person on the plane, whatever it is. is hey, what are you optimistic about it? And just drill in. Let the Lord prepare the way. It's a window into people's hearts. Right? It's the successful outcome of something. What are you looking forward to? How do you think this is all going to end? What, do you, what is your soul, the state of your hope, right, for the future? What is it based on? Right? And man, just open the door and let the Lord give you the words to love them and present the truth of who Jesus is, the one and only one who's come and, and is going to make things right. Right? It's going to get messy. It's messy now. It's going to get messier before he comes. It's God's people that have to maintain, watch over our soul. Man, is it built on the optimism of, of the faith and the hope and the love that comes through the gospel of Jesus right? and what he's done? And so it just raises this question. Is optimism or pessimism defining the state of our soul? Which one is? Another great question for people. After you open up, what's your definition of optimism? Drill in. Hey, man, what's it? You could just say, man, it just seems like pessimism has more of a hold on your, on your heart. Talk to me about that. Right, and just, just lead them to the ultimate in optimism, which is the gospel, which is the promises of God. Right? Are we aware of the fight for a hopeful soul? Are we aware of this intense fight for your soul, for my soul, of a hopeful soul built upon the gospel and the truth of God? Or, boy, is there idleness in our lives? Is there busyness in our lives? Right? A hopeful soul is not one, as, as Paul makes clear to the Thessalonians, it's not an idle soul, and it's not a busyness soul. And I, so I just want to break those down a little bit. Idleness Right, it, it, idleness results from a, a life that is confused about its purpose. And we get idle. And folks, I just know from my own life, it's easy, especially in the last six months, to get idle. Just to go, man, what the heck is going on? And, and, and all your dreams, all the things you're working towards, all the things that you're pressing in for, you just kind of, oh, just kind of, idleness is living from a defeated life. Idleness is living from a, a disappointment. Ultimately, what's going on in my soul is I'm disappointed. I'm just disappointed how things have worked out. And folks, let me tell you right now, every one of us right, is dealing with that. It's like, man, where is this going? Man, is, my, is, 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 is the future I thought for my life, for my children, 
for my friends, for my life and my vocation and what I thought was going to go? Is this all going to turn out well? Where is this thing going? Right? It's being challenged, isn't it, at the core of this, this whole thing? And, and folks, idleness, man, it, it has a way of eroding that ultimate purpose, right, to, to just get into this place of uncertainty rather than the certainty of the truth of God. And let it build faith and optimism, right, moving forward. What's busyness? Busyness, folks, is built, it results, I should say, from uh, a, a misplaced hope. Busyness results, right, from, from this, this idea that I just got to get busy. But I have no, I'm just working, working. And, and, and Paul even uses with the Thessalonians, if you go to chapter 3, he says, you guys are a bunch of busybodies. They didn't even have phones or anything, Right? <laughs> And it says that they're just, you're just going around, you're just doing this and that. Oh, I'm so busy, I'm just so busy, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this. And, and Paul's like saying, stop. What are you doing all that for? What's your real purpose? What are you working for? What eternal kingdom thing are you putting your life into? What is all this busy? What's all these things you're doing? Man, you will wake up one day and your soul will be dead and you've got a thousand things on your to-do list you've done, but you've not done anything for the kingdom. You've done nothing that will last. Stop, he says, being a busybody. Stop being idle. Reset your soul on the truth of the gospel and let God restore the dreams. Let God restore the hope, the courage, the boldness, right? That we can step out and say, Lord, I I'm available. I'm available in local government to get in there and be the light. I'm available on the school board. I'm available in my marketplace. I'm, I'm available in my neighborhood. I'm available to go to Senate or Congress. Lord, we need, church, we need. And what I want to do, I hope this morning, is awaken you to what are you working for? What are you sacrificing for? What is your dream? Do stop being idle. Stop being complacent. Stop working for your own little creature comforts of getting to ride your bike every other day. What are you giving your life towards? In the end, God is not going to give a rip about your Strava account. What are you giving your life to? What's your hope? Right? What are you willing to lay your life down for? This is what this country is built upon. Do you realize the number of people who laid their life down so we could sit here with religious freedom? This is all lost today. We're a bunch of wimps. I'm just going to say it like it is. We're not creating men and women who passionately are living right, for a purpose today. And folks, this has got to be the church. It's got it's to be nurtured here and unleashed. So I ask you, are you available to say, God, restore the dream? And I hope this morning the Spirit of God would do that, is maybe you've got disillusion. We all do this. We all, myself, I, I'm just like, wow, Lord, help me. Wake me up. Back to the dream. Back to working hard. Back to sacrifice. Back to not being idle. Back to not wasting time. Back to not giving myself to. Look what happened during COVID. Everybody went out and what they do? They were busy riding their bikes. They were busy doing all kinds of new hobbies. Where's God's people? What do we do? We retreat. And I'm going to get bolder. I don't care. We were retreated. The church in America retreated. We stepped out of the fight and we got lazy and pathetic. Oh, but we we're saving a lot, being considered bull. Bull. We retreated and we're in retreat right now in this nation. It's time for God's people to rise up and to realize that liberty is fragile. It doesn't come 
it is fought for and it has to be fought for to attain. That's liberty of the soul, first and foremost, right? And if you start talking about liberty, it, you keep down that line. It's got to take, the only place it can go is the gospel. No other system, no other philosophy in the world leads to liberty. Everything you have that's dear to you is the result of a Judeo-Christian biblical promise. No other religion, no other philosophy did zip in this country to bring that to you, right? No other country, right? I'm just telling you. Until we wake up, Lord, help us restore the dream. Until we say, I'm willing to get involved. Local level, national level, in your workplace, right? If you're a teacher, man, let God, let God infuse you to bring, what's your dream of that place and that environment? It's a tough environment right now. But do you have the hope of God that you're coming in there with the love and the grace of God to be a Lord? There's people in here, especially as we start to go back to school, whenever that happens, you know, is to be peacemakers, to be ones who step into people's lives, to love them, to hear their soul, to hear their fears, and to bring the hope of the gospel. Folks, what's your dream? What are you living for? Jesus did not save you and bring the resurrection power inside your soul to leave you idle, to leave you just kind of getting through life and, and, and happy with your comforts, he put his spirit inside you to do great things for the kingdom of God. Things that would last, things that would have an eternal impact. What's the dream? I hope this morning that the spirit of God would restore that. I'm asking him to do it to me. What is that? We're going to keep coming back to this because this is a question we need to ask each other very deeply and personally in a discipleship context. What are you living for? What are you sacrificing for? What are you sacrificing for? Your money, your time, that you want to see change for the kingdom of God. Right? We need a new generation raised up. It is pathetic what is going on in our country right now. We need people like a Ronald Reagan. Let's just use him. My gosh. Did you ever hear that story about Reagan? Of course you didn't. Because we have, I'm going to call it fake news. We have a system that is keeping you from hearing those kind of things, right? We've got to dig down to the soul level, what's really important, what we need to hear and to fight for liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And where God's people have the Spirit of the Lord burning in the streams of living water, it flushes out into a nation, a city, right? And it brings liberty. It brings freedom. Man, what's your vision for this city? You just passing by? You're here because it's a resort town? You're here just to have all the creature comforts of Aspen, Colorado? Are you willing to sacrifice to see something great happen in this place? Do you pray for this city? Do you pray for the government? Do you pray for the people you work with? Do you pray for the people you bike ride with, ski with? Right? Where, where's the fight? The fight for liberty is the fight for people's hearts that they wouldn't be suppressed, they wouldn't continue to suppress the truth, but they're, and how does one's heart open up to the truth of Jesus? Somebody's gotta love them. Somebody's gotta be willingness to put it on the line and step forward and share the good news with them. That's liberty, folks. So I, uh, I just want you to listen to this song, and I don't think you can do it sitting down, so I ask us all to stand and, just listen to these words, and folks, I hope the words of this song, this is one of my favorite worship songs right now, and um, 
Folks, just let, let it, let it restore. Let the Spirit of God just restore the dream. Restore your soul as an optimistic, faithful, hopeful soul this morning. I believe he's going to spark, re-spark dreams, re-spark vision for just, I got to rock myself out of my idle state. I, I'm sharing with you, this is where I've been. It's like, Lord, yeah, come on. Let's get back in the game here, right? Get back in the game. So um, you can start at any time. Father, come, Holy Spirit. Restore us now. Oh, wait a minute. We got another song playing there. Got two songs. We just need one. Stand against your might. Awesome. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won. No, we've already won.
You believe that, gang? You believe he's the God of the breakthrough? Did he break into your life, bring liberty to you? Um, believe that all things are possible. Folks, if we believe that, if that's the foundation of our soul, what God's done for us, guess what? Then we're going to have an optimistic soul. It's going to overflow, right, into the dark places, the hurting places in life. And that's what he wants for his church. That's what he wants for his church, to be involved in every sector of the community, bringing the light, bringing hope, right? So let's press in because God has a unique purpose for you. He wants you to be bold. He, want, he is there ready to baptize you with fire and power, right? To be a powerfully effective, to knock down strongholds in your area of influence. We just have to be available. We gotta, be, we gotta, we gotta right, build ourselves up and go for it. So just, uh, Derek, come on up and, and um, just lead this time. But folks, just, you can have a seat. And um, man, let's just encourage. We got you know, a few minutes left here this morning. So... Let's, um, man, let's encourage each other. If the Lord, if, if you just have something, again, it needs to be short, but man, if you want to just encourage us, right? The Lord's put it on you, just say, and, and it could be even a little quick testimony of, man, this is what the Lord's spoken to you this morning, and a restoration of a dream, or whatever it is, or just the crushing of disappointment, and um, man, let's just encourage, let's end this time just to encourage each other. And, and the final thing, I, I just say this, is we're here to pray. And if you're here and you just, you want prayer, you want to be, to be blessed, you want someone to just uh, come alongside you and pray to crush disappointment, to bring alive again the dream in your life and, and to bring alive optimism, right? And to crush the, the pessimism, we, we want to pray with you. And, and not just us, uh, elders, Brian and Mike and, and others, Dan's our leaders up here available for Michelle over here and others. But man, we need to do this for each other, right? It really needs to happen all right here, not just down front. And so please just, just grab somebody, see somebody, and just, man, I want to, I feel led to pray for you, right? And encourage you and bless you this morning. It could just be spouses turning to one another, whatever it may be. But let's just to end our time here, just encouraging each other. We can uh, go out. Let's just listen to what the Spirit of God has to say. So, uh, so Dirk, just lead this time. Let's just be quiet for the Lord and see what he, how he responds this morning. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.